so we're wrapping up Revelation today, something I wasn't sure that could be done, but it is happening. Thank the Lord. And I do want to encourage you to jump on the Zoom call with us on Tuesday night. Obviously, there's a bunch we didn't cover. I have somewhere around like 40 hours of notes on this stuff, and we've probably hit three hours in this series. So there's a lot we didn't cover. So if you have specific questions, don't be shy. You're welcome to ask them. I'm not guaranteeing I'll be able to answer them completely, but I'm going to do my best. So that'll be Tuesday night. Um, Okay. So what we're going to do in this uh, session of this series is a little different. I want to just kind of highlight a couple of things, and then I want to wrap it all up at the end. So instead of kind of going verse by verse and sharing thoughts about it in the moment, we're going to share it at the end, okay? So turn in your Bibles to Revelation 19. That's where we're picking up. And uh, if you're new to this series, we've been looking at it through the lens of what has most likely already been fulfilled in Revelation uh, and then what we have to look forward to. So we concluded what we feel has most likely already been fulfilled. Um, And now we're looking at some of the stuff that whether it has been fulfilled or not, nobody can truly say. There's there's not been a clear historical picture that helps us to say, oh, yes, this is that. So if you remember in week one, I shared with you guys the four different viewpoints to Revelation. There's the, the preterist view, which says everything in this book has already happened. The futurist view, which says none of this has happened. We're looking forward to all of it and some other views as well. And so in these chapters in particular, this is where your personal view is going to be important for you because we can all in this room look at this and probably make different connections. Does that make sense? Uh, And there's freedom for you to decide for yourself, okay? Uh, Because at the end of the day, nobody truly really knows about this. So, um, all right. So chapter 19, I wanted to highlight something I thought was really cool in verse 11. So John has just finished seeing all of these judgments happening Uh, And then heaven breaks out in a hallelujah. And then it says in verse 11, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who was riding it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war on the rebellious nations. So what is this a picture of? It's a picture of Jesus, right? So we had in the first part of Revelation, remember the chiasm I was telling you about? We're having now a mirroring of some of the stuff we've already seen. So we had a white horse with a horseman whose rider was not this rider. We can see that in this juxtaposition now. Um, And he goes on in verse 12 to say, his eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many royal crowns and he has a name inscribed on him, which no one knows or understands except himself. Um, And I think this is so cool. I heard this years ago and it stuck with me forever that, you know, the name of Jesus is probably the most blasphemed name of all time. You know, it it is a very hated name. It's a very contentious name. And there is a name that God has that no one knows. And I just think this is such a cool picture that there's a part of God he has reserved that has never been blasphemed. It's never been um, demoralized. It's never been looked down upon because it's hidden from everybody. And I just, I think that's such a cool picture. And um, as I was reading this in preparation for today, I just had that thought, you know, we are made in his image and his likeness, right? And there's parts of us that nobody knows. And that's okay. I think sometimes we have this thirst of loneliness or this thirst of longing where we want somebody to understand all that there is to us. But the reality is humans just can't do that. And so if you're ever feeling like that, just find a little comfort in this, that even Jesus has a part of himself he's reserved that nobody really knows except the Father. So it's beautiful. 
All right. Um, and then we get, this is where we get verse 16. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, all of you that have tattoos are feeling really thankful in that moment, reading that verse. And, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, and then we get to this really interesting chapter 20, and it says that Satan is bound. And this is where you'll get into the millennial reign. There's a lot of questions about, you know, are you a post-millennialist, a pre-millennialist, an all-millennialist, and all these things. And this is where it just says, look, people are reading this, and they're trying to figure it out for themselves, and, and we need to give each other grace to figure that out, right? Um, but here's, here's a couple verses I want us to look at. So chapter 20, verse 1. And then I saw an angel descending from heaven, holding the key of the abyss, the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand, and he overpowered and laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him securely for a thousand years, a millennium. I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. And then we go down and it says, uh, uh, And the angel hurled him into the abyss and closed it and sealed it above him, preventing his escape or rescue, so that he would no longer deceive and seduce the nations until a thousand years were at an end. And after these things, he must be liberated for a short time. Um, and then we go down to verse 7, and when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from the prison. Uh, he's going to come out and deceive and mislead the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Um, and then it says they swarmed up over the, you know, he basically gathers people, surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city of Jerusalem. And then, then this is really key. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. So a couple of thoughts I do want to share about this is this question, is a thousand years truly literal? You can't answer it, neither can I, truly. But if we're looking in the context of the book, and now we've been through all these chapters, and we've seen that this is apocalyptic literature with incredible symbolism, so is it a literal a thousand years, or does the thousand years represent something? And in the Bible, we know there's verses like, a thousand years are like a day. So is it a day? <laughs> What is time, right? And then we get real lost down the quantum road of physics and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm not going to do that to you this morning. But I think it's interesting that regardless of how long the thousand years is, God is indicating there is a period of time where Satan becomes bound. But here's the question. Why? Or, or should we say, we, we might think we understand why he's bound, but why does he get let out later? That doesn't make any sense. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, then we see that Satan, from God's perspective, was actually never a threat. From God's perspective, when he created the world, he knew Satan was there. He knew the devil was in the garden. And yet, the instruction to Adam and Eve was about a tree. Remember? He doesn't say to Adam and Eve, you better keep away from that serpent. He's dangerous. He's bad news. Which is true. But his instruction was, be obedient to me. This is, if you're obedient to me, everything else is not really a threat to you. Interesting, huh? So when we look at why the serpent has to come out of the pit, here's what I'm going to suggest to you, that he has to come out of the pit because in these 1,000 years of whatever period of time that turns out to be, the sons and daughters of God will have come into such a great understanding of our authority that he will no longer be a threat to us. And then as a one-up of the whole situation, we get this verse in verse 9 where the enemy comes out seemingly thinking he's, he's going to thwart God again, and this time fire just falls out of heaven. It's no contest. It's no contest. We're going to come back to this in, in just a minute. But I, I want to say this. So he was in the garden. The, the serpent was in the garden. Genesis 4, 7, 
you know, this is where we get the Cain and Abel story. And God comes and he says, you know, sin is, is waiting at your door, longing to have mastery over you. You guys know this? Again, God is not pointing to the enemy as the threat. This is really interesting, right? And then we get Matthew 28, 18, and 20, where he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to who? To Jesus. And then we get this amazing verse in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 that says, and do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? So now we have the one who has authority over all heaven and earth. So why do we feel threatened by the enemy? Why do we feel reverential fear over his works? I'm going to come back to this. Remind me if I forget that we're in October now. So we can talk about that a little bit. All right, so chapter 21, the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, so then he says in verse 3, and I, then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, oh, this is so good, you guys. Oh, Lord, help me articulate this. See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be death. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain, for the former things uh, the former order of things has passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, in hearing that said, behold, I am making all things new. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Here's what I want to submit to you. I, I can't, I'm just going to tell you what I felt like the Spirit of the Lord has said to me about this. I can't promise you of when this is going to happen. I can back it up with a, a bunch of scripture, but I don't want to do that this morning. This is available to you and I right now. It's eternity, and it's eternity now. We're not waiting until we die for all of our pain and sorrow to go away. Does that mean that we're not going to have pain on the earth? Of course we will, right? We all know that. We're humans. But what does that mean? We have something that we can do about our pain, right? All right, I want to I wanna get to the next part, and then I'm going to sum this all up. Okay, oh, man, it's so good. So let's go to verse 25, chapter 21, verse 25. This whole chapter is this beautiful picture about what the temple of God looks like. Uh, oh, let's just do 22. I saw no temple in it. This is the new heaven and earth. For the Lord God Almighty, the omnipotent, the ruler of all, and the Lamb are its temple. And where is the Lamb? It's in you. So now what are you? You are the temple of God. And the city, verse 23, has no need of the sun nor the moon to give it light. For the glory of God has illuminated it. And the lamp, the Lamb is the lamp and the light. Oh, so good. So good. The nations, the redeemed people of the earth will walk in its light for the kings of the earth will bring into it their glory. And then this is where I want us to really catch this today. Verse 25. By day, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. Okay, store that in. Its gates will never be closed. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Then we get chapter 22. The perfect life is what my Bible says. Uh, this is the chiastic picture of Revelation 3:21. If you're following the mirror at all, this is the picture of the throne room that we saw where you've been invited to sit on the throne if you're an overcomer. And here we see another picture again. Chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its streets on either side of the river was a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Something trees don't do. Right? 
Trees don't yield fruit every month, and yet somehow in God, they do. Remember when Jesus says, don't say it's four more months until the harvest. Look up, the fields are, are white for the harvest now. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, it is always harvest time. God is always reaping some sort of harvest. It might not be the same type of fruit each and every month, but there is something for you to experience in the kingdom no matter what is going on in your life. Amen? Amen. And it yields the, the leaves of, uh, let's see, I lost my, okay, so it yields fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's a sermon in and of itself. For there will no longer exist anything that is cursed because sin and illness and death are gone and the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it. And then we get down to verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time of their fulfillment is near. That's just echoing things we've already talked about. And then we get this, the final invitation. This is, the, this is where I want to land on the scripture and sum it up, okay? Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you and to give you assurance of these things for the churches. I am the root, the source, the life, and the offspring of David, the radiant and bright morning star. The Holy Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take and drink the water of life without cost. So where do we land this entire book? All this stuff is going to happen, and this is what Jesus says. Let the spirit and the bride, which is the church, say the same thing. If the bride and the spirit are not saying the same thing, whose job is it to change? It's the bride's job. It's definitely not God's job, right? How many of us are, I, I just think even when you think about America right now, this is where we are. We're not in the trumpets blowing judgment across everybody. We're in chapter 21, verse 17, where God is trying to say, the bride needs to agree with me. We have to be in unison. And when that happens, life is released. This is such a beautiful thing. It's like the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Who are those? Those are those. This is the remnant, if you're listening to prophetic voices in today. This is the remnant, the ones who are the, the woke Christians. And I'm not talking about BLM or Antifa and all that stuff. I'm talking about those that understand the times that we're living in, right? Those that are looking and saying, oh, wait a second. My God is a good God, and goodness and mercy are going to increase. Even though evil and darkness might continue to increase, I'm a carrier of goodness, right? Th those are those. And so there's like multiple invitations here that Jesus is saying. Number one, guys, we got to get on the same page. And number two, those of you who are already on the same page, keep crying, come. Keep standing in unity with me because you become like the standard bearer. You become like the ones who go out in front and say, oh, no, 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 that's not God. You think God's judging you right now? He, like, let's just, let's just get real for a second. Can we do that? So Sodom and Gomorrah, they were not destroyed because of homosexuality. Ezekiel says they were destroyed because of their pride and arrogance. Wait, what? I'm not making a new doctrine. I'm not saying that, the, I, I, my personal opinion, everybody has a right to live their life how they want to, but sometimes the way we want to live our, our life is not in agreement with God, right? But God will bless you to do the thing that you want to do. Does that mean it's not a sin? No, of course, it's a sin. It's a sin just like every other sin. And so sometimes we want to go, oh, this one sin has got to be what God is judging people for. We're all under this judgment because somebody who doesn't want to know God and isn't in the people of God is choosing something. You see what I'm saying? 
Those of us who are hearing, we say, no, 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 that's not God. It is his, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. Tell me one time when somebody judged somebody in the LGBTQ, I don't know the rest of the letters that they're applying right now, community was judged into repentance. I can almost guarantee you it never happened. The, uh, I'm just going to say one more thing about this since I'm already on it. Why not? In my opinion, the way the church has treated the LGBTQ community is awful. It is so against the heart of God. We have some friends who in the last several years have decided that's the community they wanted to live with and a lot of, of tears shed, a lot of challenge in that. And, and it's a very difficult thing if you know somebody. It's a very difficult process to, to understand that, right? But I was listening to stories of people that they know. I'm telling you guys, people who their parents were Christians, they were raised in the church, and when they told their parents that this is the way they wanted to live, they were literally beaten, beaten. And I'm going, it made me cry. I'm going, are you kidding me? You think that's going to fix a problem? The LGBTQ community has so much vitriol for the church because the church wasn't acting like God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have an opportunity here to say, listen, we get, to, we get to be the ones who are hearing him say, come. And we get to stand kind of in the gap and say, no, no, this is who God is. It is his kindness that leads to repentance. I'm just going to go out here. I'm just going to make a declaration. It's a prophetic feeling I have. I've had this for a long time. The LGBT community, they're going, the people who want to know God are going to come into knowing God because they see the love of God. And the love of God is so offensive to our sin, it causes us to let sin go. Amen? No one was judged into the kingdom. It's just not like Jesus, it, it nullifies what Jesus did on the cross. So what do we have to do? We have to get in somebody's face when they're dealing with sin. And we don't say, we don't come into agreement with their sin and continue to cast condemnation. We come into agreement with God and say, that's just not who you are. That's not who you are. If you knew who you are, you wouldn't want to do that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't jive with you. Amen. So the spirit and the bride need to say, come, and then let the one who hears say, come. That's you and me. I believe that. I believe God is raising up others to stand with us in the gap to proclaim what he's doing. And we get to be the ones who actually bring those, all of us, I'm not just saying us here, but we get to bring those others into saying the same thing with God. So then we say, come, and then he takes it up a notch. And let the one who is thirsty come. They don't have to say, come. They just come. Does your Bible say that? Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take and drink the water of life without cost. A couple of years ago. So I just got licensed with our, our network um, to be a pastor. I mean, I've obviously been a pastor, but been through a process the last couple of years with them to receive that certificate. And Grant did this a while back. And at his ordination, we were um, getting prayed over and... Um, one of the speakers that was there at the conference came, and I had one of these experiences that's like, doo, 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 doo. you know, anybody ever have that? And I, and I was standing there, and I, I, I uh, in this particular denomination, it's not a denomination, but in this movement, most everybody gets knocked over by the power of God, and I'm one of those people that just doesn't. So I had already been doing pre-inner healing on me that I would be the one standing, you know, and, and I, everybody's like, oh, no, we want to see her. You know, like, they're not going to push you, but they're going to wait until you fall. And I'm, like, having this internal feeling with myself. Am I going to, you know, what am I going to do? So I, was, I, I walked in. I'm like, I'm just going to stand tall. It's going to be fine. I'm probably not falling over. It's no big deal, you know. So I'm standing there, like, just receiving, and everybody's down. And I'm just keeping my eyes closed because if I can't see it, I don't have to think about it. And 
<laughs> and, and I say that because some of y'all need to know, like God starts moving in the room and things happen and, and sometimes things happen and they don't look like anything's happening and it's, it's still happening, amen. And so I'm, I'm standing there and, um, and I, I just got my eyes closed and this pastor comes up, my favorite preacher ever, and he puts his hands on me and he says, when he puts his hand on me, I immediately saw this picture of a banquet table. I was in this room. There was this huge table. There was tears and tears of food. Think like royal wedding style, you know, like every inch of this table is filled with something that's so beautiful. Some of you guys may have heard this story before. And I'm looking at the table, and I was doing like what you do when you're a civilized person at a buffet, when you scan and try to assess how much can I get on the plate without looking like, you know. <laughs> no, just me. So in this vision, this is what I'm doing. I'm scanning the table. I've got like too small of a plate for how much food is on the, t on the buffet, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to decide what am I, I'm being choosy, I'm being picky. And I'm looking at this vision in my, in my mind's eye with my eyes closed. And the pastor says, just reach out and take it. And I'm like, what just happened? Is he seeing what I'm seeing? And he wasn't. I, later on, I told him what had happened and he was like, explain this to me again. He ended up narrating the vision that I was having and didn't even know. I didn't know, he didn't know. He did, he, it was a very bizarre God experience. And in this vision, what happened was I, I said, oh, I, I, in my mind's eye, I'm like, okay. So I reached out and took a little bit. And he goes, no, I said, take more. So, okay, took some more. He goes, no, you don't understand. It's here for you. And so I started taking more. And then I saw this picture that when I would put it, my plate had become like a portal down to earth where I was like scooping all this food out and throwing it down like a laundry chute on a second story, you know, and it was getting to all these other people. And every time I looked at the table, nothing was depleted. It was mind boggling. And, and the thing is, in what God was speaking to me and has been speaking to me forever is there is literally no way to deplete the resource of heaven, right? And so we can take and we can take and we can take and he is not exhausted by that. When our heart is to be in line with God, he freely gives everything. And, and so when I read this scripture right here, this is what I read. The Holy Spirit and the bride say come. And if they're not on the same page, the bride has got to get on the same page. And then let the one who hears say come. So now again, we already ex explained that. And let the one who is thirsty, you just can come. Because you get me. Because you get it. You're not standing like me at that buffet trying to decide, is it an eclair or a donut kind of night? Or is it both? I'm kind of thinking it's both, but I don't want that person to judge me. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The one who understands, the one who's thirsty is like, oh, water, yes, put it inside of me. And there's an invitation for you and I this morning that I believe that God is setting out for us where he's saying, listen, you, it's not just about praying and hoping. It's about when we understand, we just receive. We just receive. We're no longer waiting. And I, I know this is difficult because I think what the, the spirit of religion, the, the territorial principality of religion has done to you and I growing up in the Midwest is this. It's made you feel like you're not pleasing to the Lord. So it's made you feel like that person who shows up to a party that only got an invitation because they had to, you know, like they was obligated to be invited. And so like you, you plan this whole big spread and you really don't want them taking the eclair and the donut because you planned that for the people you actually wanted it to come. We, we have this in our mind where we show up into the kingdom and we're like, I, I wasn't sure, Lord, how you felt about me. So I'm going to hang back until, until you give me the green light. And the Lord is like, you already have the green light. It's given to you. It was given to you on the cross 2,000 years ago. 
This is wild. I think you guys know this, but every past, present, and future sin was paid for on the cross. You know that, right? Every sin you're going to go out and commit in the next five, ten, however many years you live, hopefully it's longer than ten, that was not an ominous uh, thing. But every sin you're going to commit, guess what? It was already paid for. What? Does that mean we should go out and sin? Of course not. You're not reading the Bible if that's what you think, right? That just means that God took care of it. He maybe put a little extra on some of y'all's account. Amen. And when we, yeah, here's the thing. When we get a picture, of, Grant and I were talking about this this week, you know. I think a lot of times churches or pastors are nervous to talk about the, the unending grace of God because it almost feels like, I'll just be very vulnerable with you. I don't know what you're going to do with what I just said. You know what I'm saying? If you've ever been in ministry, you know what that feels like. I don't know. Are you going to go out and sin next week and be like, well, Rachel said it was already paid for. Have another one. You know what I mean? That's not the goal. But here's the thing. I didn't choose to pay for all of your future sins. Jesus did. So it's on him. And that what I know to be true is that when you get a picture of who God is for you, you actually don't want to sin. You, you actually don't enjoy it. You actually, it doesn't bring you life. I wasn't even going to talk about all that, so let's get back onto Revelation. Okay. So here's my question to you. Who here needs a revelation of the authority that God has given? Probably. Myself included. Think about this. Let's go back to chapter 21. Uh, let, chapter 20, sorry. So Satan's bound. So, so let's get this. Then I saw an angel descending from heaven, holding the key of the abyss. What is the abyss? The abyss is not hell where, pe where people go. The abyss is the place where the principalities and the demons are judged, okay? And, uh, and so the, this angel, I don't know, does your Bible say it was Jesus himself or an archangel? It just says an angel, right? My translation says an angel. So, so what do we do with that? Just a regular old angel had the power to subdue Satan for a thousand years. I'm sorry, what? What? Think about this for a second. I'm going to change some of y'all forever, and I'm sorry, I'm not sorry about this. I remember, I used to study, and I still do some, to some degree, I used to study what, is a, what does a principality do? Tell me everything about the spirit of Jezebel. I want to know all of it so I can spot it right away. Uh, I want to know what is, what is Leviathan? What is that like? What is, what is the spirit of witchcraft like? What, you know, how can I spot it in people? And, and there's some good in that. And depending on your calling, there's some good in that. But eventually the Lord said to me, hey, sweetie, do, do you want to see how I see spiritual warfare? And I was like, oh, I, I thought I was. <laughs> is that not how you see it? I thought I was, you know? And he said, yeah. The way you're studying is so that you can be in control. I was like, oh, hmm. Then yes, bring me higher. Teach me how you do this, right? I was actually offended at people who didn't stop and explain all the ins and outs of what was happening with spiritual warfare because to me it felt like, like you're doing the people a disservice. But what God brought me into is that he is literally so big. There is no contest, Truly in God's eyes, he is not threatened by the work of the enemy. So who, who then becomes responsible for the spiritual climate of our lives? If it's not God, I mean, it is God to some degree. I'm skating on thin ice because there's a lot of theology in here I'm not saying. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? 
What does it look like for you and I to step into a revelation of our authority over the enemy where just a regular old angel doesn't even have a name, doesn't have a classification, it's not an archangel, it wasn't Michael fighting the prince of Persia, is powerful enough to bring Satan down into an abyss for a thousand years. Why? Because God said that's what we're going to do. So what is God saying to you in your life? What is the breakthrough that you're sitting on that God has been saying And who do you believe is powerful enough to bring that out? I think think what's happened is we've bought into this idea that we have to be reverential to the enemy because he does have a measure of power. And I understand that. I mean, if you know my story, you know. I get spiritual warfare. I get attacked by the enemy too. It's, it's It's a reality. But sometimes in our reverence, we've actually exalted the demonic. Sometimes in our, our trepidation to make sure we don't overstep some sort of legal right thing, we, we give glory to the power the demonic has. And I think what the Lord wants us to see is that you, Satan, the enemy, the works of darkness, to God's perspective, they're not actually a valid threat to your life. What's the biggest threat you and I face? It's right here. It's what we believe about God. Because if we don't believe that God is for us, then we invite the enemy in to partner with that belief. If we don't believe that God is a healer, then we invite the enemy in to continue to torment us. If we don't believe that God is capable of bringing breakthrough, of healing past trauma, of changing our mindset, of helping us let go of sin, of whatever it is that we need, if we don't believe that, then we're actually partnering with the enemy. And so because we're partnering with him, he has a measure of power. Does this make sense? But when the sons and daughters of God rise up and they get in line with heaven, and heaven is already saying, come to me, the door is open. Remember I said, catch this verse, don't forget it. This is verse 25 of, um, what is it, chapter 22, I think. No, chapter 21, verse 25. Its gates will never be closed. So what does that mean? Night and day, day and night, you can have a breakthrough. Night and day, day and night, heaven is saying, come to me. It doesn't matter what time of day, there's an opportunity for you to experience something from heaven. And this is where I feel like the Lord wants us to do today, is I just want to release that if that's okay with you. I know some of you guys might be like, I'm not interested, that's okay. You have permission to be on your journey. But I know some of you guys are going, I have been wanting to see God do something in my life, and I can't figure out why he's not doing it. And what I want to say to you is, it starts up here. And I'm telling you this as someone who has been doing this battle myself for the last 9, 10 years. It's, it's offensive to yourself to realize you're in your own way. It's annoying. It's heartbreaking. I've had days of grief where I'm going, it was really me all along. And it's not all you, okay? Like, there is spiritual warfare. That's true. There is consequence. There's all this other stuff, too. But what I'm saying is what we believe about God is how we are able to stand with him and say, come. And when we're so convinced of what we know about God, the truth of God, then we actually just show up at his table and start drinking. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Did you want me to ask if I could come in? I forgot. I just thought we were on the same page. And God's like, yeah, no, you don't have to ask. Just come in and take it. That's his heart. How many of you guys with your kids, you make them stand outside and ring the doorbell before they come inside? (laughs) Okay, well, your your kid's a baby. So (laughs) when he grows up and actually uses the door, you probably won't. (laughs) But think about it, right? The family is a reflection of the character of God. So my kids, when they come in and out of the house, you know, I'm only annoyed if they don't shut the door because of the flies, right? 
They want to bring a friend in, they brought a friend in. Hey, welcome, friend. Now you're in our family. Surprise. <laughs> this is what heaven is like. The gates are always open for you. So here's what I want to do. I want to tell a couple of testimonies. And then we're going to just do a little bit of, of prayer time. So I, I've been chart. I like to chart things. I like to chart prophetic words to see. Because I'm, I'm not a hype person, you know. I'm a realist. I said this the other day, like, I'd rather be a pessimist than, than a hype person. And I don't want to be a pessimist, so I guess i, I got to be somewhere in the middle. Um, because I want to see God do the stuff that he says he's going to do, right? I don't want to be that person that's just, like, believing, 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 and never actually seeing. Now, there are some things I'm still waiting to see in my life. But in general, I'm going, Lord, you got to answer something. <laughs> so change me, fix me, because I want to see you be a man of your word, right? And I believe that's his heart. And so I like to chart things. So since last year, I've been writing down every healing that's happened on a Sunday morning or at a church event just because I think it's fun. And uh, I'm not going to read you all of them. There's, there's several. But I did want to kind of talk about a couple because what I want you to see is that when we get an understanding that the gate is always open, when we get this understanding that you and I have an opportunity to just show up at his table and take what we need, life begins to change everywhere. Your personal life changes and the lives of those around you change because now you get to be that person standing in the middle like we were talking about saying, oh no, God, that's not who God is. For those that are dealing with chronic illness, like that's, that's really tough. And not every chronic illness gets healed supernaturally. So what do we do about that? We get to be the life bringers that stand in the middle and remind this is who God is. God is not the author of this. Even if he's using this, that doesn't mean he caused this. We're going to fight together until we see that healing come, this side of the natural or the other side, because we're not going to give up. Amen? So a couple of testimonies that are super fun. Um, oh, goodness, there's so many. Okay, so we had like, like three knees, October 27th of last year, we had three knees and an ankle that were healed from a word of knowledge, which was super fun, uh, on a Sunday morning. We had um, uh, a couple of people who had come for the first time, their back was dramatically healed. That was November of last year. Brandon, you probably don't remember, your sinuses were healed November of last year. Cody had an ear infection. We prayed for all the pain went away. Her ear infection was healed. Her ear infection was healed. You didn't have to finish the antibiotics because it was healed. Healed. It's amazing. Um, we've had, uh, oh, I like this one. On, on December 1st, I wrote down four and a half necks were healed. <laughs> I don't know what the half is. It was a partial healing. Um, gonna have to change my way I write this down. We had a lady who's allerg who was healed from allergies. Uh, we had a, another foot and a leg that was healed. We had, Kim, remember, your, you broke your arm. Her arm was healed after, after a lot of physical healing as well. There were some residual issues. God touched her. Her arm was healed. Amazing. Uh, okay. Then we had a couple of ear pains healed. We've had some migraines go. We, this is just in the last year. I'm not telling you about the bigger. There's a lot of other ones too, but let me get to two weeks ago. So there was a, a word of knowledge about a left ear. You guys remember this? And so there were two people that stood up, and they both waved their hand. They had, they had healing. So last week, Billy, raise your hand, Billy. Sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot. So Connie and Billy come over and say, hey, let me tell you what happened to his ear. He's been partially deaf for how long? For a long time. As long as, maybe ever. He, he had, this, this man is a walking miracle. He was born with cerebral palsy. And look, here he is. He was only supposed to live five years. He's what, 26? This is amazing, first of all. Amazing. Uh, I will let you, if you want to know an incredible story, ask Connie. She'll tell you the details of some crazy stuff that, like, they have medical documentation of that's insane. But here's what he said. I've, I couldn't hear out of my left ear. He sleep, sleeps with some music on, and it was so loud, everybody was also sleeping to music. Anybody know what that's like? 
And, uh, and the Lord touched him and he said, I can, it, 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 it's fine. Is it 100% better? Because I want to pray, what would you say, 80%? It gets better and better every day. Wow. Could you guys hear that? He's had the sounds on, and since he was healed a couple weeks ago, he's had to turn the volume down. It's too loud for him now. Um, so is, it, is there any left? Is there any deafness left? Because I want us to pray if there is. Sure, yeah. But is it, can, hearing-wise, does it feel totally normal? It does feel totally normal? Okay, that's amazing. That's amazing, you guys. Some of you guys were here when that happened. Do you know what happened? We just said, Cody has this word of knowledge. She's like, I don't even know if this is a thing. I'm going, well, let's just share it and see what happens, right? She knows that the words of knowledge is a thing, but that particular word of knowledge. So we share it. These two people get healed, find out it's a much greater healing than we were even thinking. She just thought it was clogged in the ear. She wasn't even thinking about deafness. Nobody, I don't even think anybody prayed for you, right? We just released... Okay, you prayed for him. Yeah, we just released that time. Here's what happens when we get a perspective of heaven and the gates being open. Isn't this incredible? Monday night at our training school, uh, you guys know Chad's had back surgery, and uh, he's had some residual issues with that, of course. Uh, and Michelle, it was, they were telling us this testimony, and Michelle said, I had this prophetic word on my life that I was going to have the gift of healing, and I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have not seen a single back be healed. And she's like, and so the Lord said to me, I want you to go pray for his back. And I was like, why? You know, we all have those moments where it's like, oh, okay, I'll do it in obedience to you, Lord, but I have zero faith. And Chad, likewise, has been prayed for a bunch of times, never seen anything happen. And so he had, we won't call either of them zero faith, we'll call them low-level faith, okay, in this particular situation. And so he's like, sure, I'll let you pray for me. And they're both doing a courtesy to each other. And do you know what happened? He got healed. He got healed. <laughs> And they're in tears, and Michelle's like, I've never seen a back be healed in, in response to this prophetic word. And Chad's going, I've never seen my back be healed in all the times it's been prayed for. But when we get a perspective that heaven's gates are always open, something begins to happen, amen? So here's what I'm saying to you. I don't know what kind of breakthrough you need in your life, but I know the gates are open over you. And what I felt like the Lord said for us this morning is just to extend the hand of God over your life. So if you're saying, I need a revelation of God doing something in the authority of my life, get up. If you need a healing, I want you to stand up. If you need God to just shift something in your atmosphere, I don't, you don't need to even tell anybody what it is. He knows. Go ahead and stand up. Reach your hands out to the Lord because I'm going to pray for you. And I genuinely believe he's going to do something in your life. You might not feel it happen in this moment. That doesn't matter. This is what the truth of the Lord is. He is for you. He is with you. And there will be breakthrough. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just receive the opening of heaven over our lives right now. Lord, we come against every false belief that has made us feel like we were not welcome at your table. When the truth is, Lord, that you've actually prepared a table before us, before our enemies, where we get to be the display of your goodness. So Lord, we tear down every false belief right now in Jesus' name. We literally rip it from our minds, the feelings that you would rather do this for somebody else than for me. We just say no to that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just say we welcome we welcome your presence. We are your bride. We're saying, come. 
And we're going beyond that this time and we're just taking from the table. So for those of you guys that are, that are needing healing, I just keep hearing the word chronic. So anybody that's having chronic issue, it could be chronic pain, chronic disease, I don't know what it is, but if there's something chronic in your life right now, we just say, let your healing fall in the name of Jesus. We speak to those conditions to come in line with the will of God, the perfect will of God. We speak divine health over every single person here in Jesus' name. Anybody here that's dealing with reproductive issues right now in the name of Jesus, we just declare the healing of God. Come, come, come. And I just hear the Lord saying, it's not us asking God to come, it's God saying for you, come to my table and take what I've already given to you. Wow. Wow. And so I just, I, over all of you guys, just, if you, just be bold in this moment. If you would say, man, I count myself out so often, just lift your hands up to the air, just like a little child saying, daddy, pick me up. Just lift your hands up to the air. God, we break this off, this false identity. We break off insecurity right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. standing in the river. We're standing in the river of, of the open heaven. I think there's some of you guys that have never truly felt the love of God. Um, and I, I, just, I just feel like the Lord wants to release that over you right now. And so you don't have to do anything, just in your heart, just tell him, Lord, I want to know what it's like to be loved by you. it's like to be loved by you right now, Lord, we just say love them hard. Thank you, Lord. 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 Just do this with me. We're just going to take another minute or two. Just do this with me. Just start declaring over yourself, the gates of heaven are never closed. The gates of heaven are never closed to me. Lord, we want to get this so deep in our spirit. The gates of heaven are never closed over us. There's, you are always doing something. It is always harvest time in the kingdom. So I just make a declaration, Lord, that we would be those who bear fruit on a monthly basis. And we're not waiting until the whole cycle starts over again, Lord, but we're just stepping into your river and we're letting you bear your fruit through us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for one more thing, but before we do that, if you feel like God is already touching you or healing you, would you just wave your hand? I'm just curious to see. It's awesome. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody here that would say, I do have something chronic going on in my life? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. All right, so look around. Just extend your hand to them, guys. This is an open heaven atmosphere right now. And sickness does not belong in heaven. Let me, let me just read this over you guys as we pray. Let me just read this for you. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be death. And there will no longer be sorrow. There will no longer be anguish or crying. There will no longer be pain. For the former order of things 
the system of this world has passed away. And he, Jesus, who sits on his throne, declares over you today, behold, I am making all things new. So right now we release the healing of heaven over you to make all things new. We just speak to every place of pain to go. We call these physical bodies to come in line with you right now in Jesus' name. Every, we just say full and complete homeostasis. We speak to your cells. <laughs> come right in line right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We're just going to take a second and just let the waters of God do its thing. All right, just wave your hand if you feel God touching you in some way. Okay. Okay. Lord, we're just asking for more. We're just asking for more, Lord. Raise our awareness, raise our perspective. The last thing I wanna do is I, I really feel like uh, in this day and age, it's the church's job, as I just shared, to be the ones who are saying, this is who God is. And we're standing in the midst of a really difficult season as, as, as Americans with COVID, right? Like we've got the reality of this illness that is actually a disease. And, and regardless of our opinion about it, there are people who are being afflicted by this. And I, I believe the Lord has given us a calling and a mandate as a church to really begin to fight over our area. So what we've done is we've created, you can put that up. I created a lock screen for you guys. We're gonna post it on Facebook directly after the service. I wanna encourage you to put this onto your phone like it's on mine and begin to declare a couple times a day. You can do it when you eat meals. You can do it at, you know, set an alarm for 10 a.m., whatever, a couple times a day. This is what we're declaring. There would be no spike in Oklahoma City in our area. You can pray for your specific city um, if you, you know, if, if you're not in Oklahoma City, but we're praying for no spike, no spread, and no second wave. Amen? Here's the thing. Grant shared this earlier, but uh, the guy we had speaking at our training school yesterday, he's a pastor in, an, in a town in Scotland, and in the entire UK, they've been praying this three times a day at their church. They've been declaring this. In the entire UK, their county has the lowest amount of COVID and has from the beginning of this whole thing. Why? Because when the church is given authority by God, we have authority to change the atmosphere, amen? We talked about this in the last couple of weeks that we're positioned in the heavens to do something to affect the earth. So I'm asking you to partner with us to do this. It can be as simple as keeping it as your lock screen so that when it, when it slips your mind, you can just begin to pray. Lord, and when you pray it, do this. Picture yourself standing in the river of God and releasing a declaration from his throne. So we're gonna do that this morning. I want us to pray for every person that's currently in an ICU bed. I think there's like 200 or something like that do you know the number? Something like 200 in our area that have been hospitalized right now. Uh, I know that's not a lot of people unless you're one of those 200, right? Then it really matters. I want us to pray for our president. I want us to pray for all of the, the people in DC who are affected by this. If you know somebody, I want you to literally picture yourself putting them into the river of God and dunk them in and out as many times as you can, you know? Partner with the Lord in this, amen? So just lift your voice with me. Father, right now we stand in your river and we release a declaration that Oklahoma will be COVID-free in Jesus' name. Lord, right now we come against every spike. We come against the spread of this virus. Lord, we say there will be no spike, there will be no spread, and there will be no second wave in our area. Lord, we prophetically lay hands on all of those in ICU beds in Oklahoma right now, and we declare live in the name of Jesus. Lungs come back to life in Jesus' name. Bodies be healed. Those who are on death's door, rise again right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we come against what the enemy wants to do. We break off 
off the fear. We break off the timidity. We break off the economic issues and we stand in the gap and we prophetically speak to our people. Come to his table. Come and be with the one who knows how to help you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.